Good afternoon and welcome to the council. I'm your host, Charlie Pacello, and boy, do we have a great show for you today. I'm so excited here to introduce my guest here in just a moment. She is one of the most uh, powerhouse voices in coaching and personal development in the world. Uh, but before we get started with the show, I just want to thank KUHSDenver.com. That's KUHSDenver.com for uh, leading the platform for the council. Uh, we are broadcasting live here in Denver and all across the country and all across the world. Uh, bringing you the best shows, the best programs, and you know, it's just, you've got to tune into KUHS Denver because we've got the Love Doctor, we've got Sylvia, we've got so many other people on this, pro on this station that are dedicating to bringing you the best programs and the best shows out there possible. So just want to thank KUHS for allowing the council to e even exist. And I want to thank all of you as well for tuning in and trusting in me to bring you the best content out there to help you grow, to give you hope, to give you a sense that you can overcome the challenges in your life and become better people. We're living in a country, in a world that's uh, going through some major challenges right now, uh, some major crises. Um, and one of the things that is important is to recognize that we have to be true to ourselves. We have to come back to what's in our hearts. Uh, we have to come back to that place within us that allows us to be the best version of ourselves. We uh, are living in a country that is in a, in a moral crisis, in a cultural crisis, uh, where our souls are sick. And we constantly are being revisited by these things in a very profound and hurtful way. And I think it's calling us to, to, to reach for our higher selves, to reach for that point in, am I choosing the best in me or am I choosing the worst in me? And I think you see that in, the, in some of the shootings that we had recently, and I just want to bring that up uh, momentarily. It's such a tragedy that we're seeing this over and over again in our country. And we've got to recognize that uh, we're, all, we're all kind of interconnected. We're all one. You, um, in the deepest level of our existence, in the, in the subatomic level, they can't differentiate uh, where we begin and where something else begins. Um, and we have to get back in touch with what really resonates in, in our hearts. And that's everybody wants to have kindness and compassion and love and families wanting to be able to support and take care of their children and put a roof over their head and have a, a good job and being able to, you know, their children to be safe when they go to schools. And, and, and that's what people want. And that's what they want all around the world. And we've got to start teaching our children uh, to, to value life, you know, and it's like we've lost that sense of what is really important to us, what we really value. And as long as we make someone an other, that they are something different than me, that leads to all kinds of evil. That leads to all kinds of pain. And it makes me better than you. And that's where we get into a lot of problems is when I think I'm better than you that I think that my way is the only way, that my good is the only one in true good. And it be, creates a lot of problems because we don't really know everything. We have to really humble ourselves and recognize that there are things out there in this world that we don't really know about. And we should be, have some humility and, and, and you know, pause for just a moment and recognize that you know I don't know everything and I, and I don't, claim to know everything and maybe somebody else has something to teach me 
Maybe there are other ways of living that I don't know about. I just recently got back from Italy. I was out there for my brother's wedding, and it was amazing. Uh, really out in the middle of uh, uh, the central, south central Italy. It's between Naples and Rome, and it's in the mountain areas of Italy. And it's really where the Italians, the real Italians, live. And they maintain their traditions and their culture. And uh, we actually, uh, the wedding itself was uh, reminiscent of something that I watched out of The Godfather. It was incredible, Walk, marching and walking through the town and uh, the old drums playing and the people gathering together to be with one another. And on my journey, one of the things that I went to was a, a festival, a week festival in Yelsey. And uh, these people have been doing a festival here for over a thousand years. And they make all, after their first harvest, they build all these floats that are made of wheat and grain. And they parade it through the city, and everybody is around and celebrating life. And it originated from their deep faith. They uh, were experiencing a drought, a significant drought. Nothing was growing. And so they prayed to Santa Anna. It's the Feast of Santa Anna, who was the mother of Mother Mary. And after they prayed and prayed to her, it rained. And so the harvest came. And so as a consequence, they celebrate this feast and have been doing, it, doing this for over a thousand years. And it was just so rewarding to watch how other people live, to see their celebrations, to see their customs, to see how they, in the middle of the heat, and they would be on these floats dancing and drinking wine and celebrating life and teaching each other that... We, don't, we, can't, we can't survive without having each other in each other's lives. And I think when we travel, you get to see how other people live. You get to see how we, what our way of life here in America, we are so blessed in so many ways. Because we, don't, we, we often take for granted the very blessings that we have. And if we're not teaching our children these things, if we're not giving them the value of life and to appreciate that all life is precious, that all life is sacred, we're in trouble. And, you know, I think one of the things that we find in our culture is that we're no longer looking at the sacredness of life. That we have somehow, after the, the uh, Cultural Revolution of about 50 years ago, we've kind of thrown out the sacred. We've kind of thrown out the holy. Uh, and we don't recognize and see that everything has a purpose. Everything is alive. The very oxygen we breathe in is, uh, was created by the trees around us. And our carbon dioxide feeds the trees. And we don't see this interconnectedness of life that keeps life in balance, that keeps life together. And if we're not teaching our children these things, if we're not teaching them how to respect and honor all life, we have, we have some problems. And so we need to, to really reconnect to the soul, I think. I think our souls are sick. And that's why I wrote this book. Uh, it's called Meditations with Masters of the Axial Age. And it helps us to kind of get back to what's really important. These masters uh, uh, from a long time ago, back between 900 BCE and 200 BCE, they were trying to understand the deeper workings of the laws that are inside of us, that work in the soul, on why it is important to be truthful, on why it is important to be honest, on uh, the importance of, uh, of taking care of one another and treating another like yourself. 
which was an, a Confucian ideal, was to treat another the way you want to be treated. And to be able to take these truths, these mystical truths from all these different traditions, helps us to understand that there's something inside of us that we need to cultivate. Socrates believed that we needed to cultivate the soul, that it was the most important thing that we could do, aside from material gains, possession, your career, your family, that every individual was responsible for their own soul. And so we need to dig down deep and to answer those questions for ourselves and to teach our children what's really important and what's really valuable. I would encourage all of you to, who are listening and tuning into the show to, to purchase this book. You can get it on uh, bookbaby.com at store.bookbaby.com. Uh, you can get it on Amazon as an ebook, uh, Barnes and Noble, both in print and ebook as well, and so many other different sites. Uh, it's really designed to help. It's, I consider it a self-help book for the soul. So check it out, Meditations with Masters of the Axial Age. Now, I would like to introduce to you my very prestigious and venerable guest. Uh, she is a certified speaking professional. Less than 12% of the speakers in the world hold this prestigiously earned certification. Judy Moreo founded Turning Point International, a training and development company, and has served as CEO since 1992. Sharing her creative and innovative approach to business has taken her to 28 countries on four continents. She has been recognized by the Las Vegas Chamber of Commerce as Woman of Achievement, Entrepreneur. Her business has received their Circle of Excellence Award. In 2003, Judy was named Nevada Business Person of the Year by the U.S. Business Advisory Council, and in 2010, she received the Diamond Star Visionary Award. And this year, she was inducted into the Business Hall of Fame. Judy is an accomplished author with 11 books to her credit, including Conquering, Conquer the Brain Drain, 52 Creative Ways to Pump Up Productivity, Ignite the Spark, 52 Creative Ways to Pump Up Your Team, Delivering Exceptional Customer Service, and her best-selling, You Are More Than Enough, Every Woman's Guide to Purpose, Passion, and Power, and its companion, The Achievement Journal. She is also the developer of the Creative Day Camp for Executives, which has been presented in 400 cities throughout the United States. As publisher of the Life Choices book series and Choices online magazine, she has become a popular internet radio show host. Please help me welcome to our show today, Judy Morio. Morio, thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Judy, my goodness, it is such an honor and a privilege to have you today on the council. I can't, I can't thank you enough for, uh, for, for taking some time out of your day to be here with us uh, and to share your, your wisdom with us on how that we are enough, just as we are, uh, to this wider audience. So thank you. It's amazing to me how many people don't think they are enough. I had a, a lady say to me the other night, well, what if I was somebody and nobody knew it? And I said, well, you are somebody, and the only person who has to know it is you. It's true, you know, I mean, and it's we have a hard time. We, we seek validation from others outside of ourselves, I think, very often. 
And it's one of the hardest things is to feel that you're enough. You know, I certainly have experienced that, Jody, in my life. I know that um, my sense of self-criticism has been a problem with me. And, you know, one of the subjects you talk about, we're talking about her book, You Are More Than Enough, um, Every Woman's Guide to Purpose, Passion, and Power. And one of the subjects you speak about in your book uh, is self-criticism. Is self-criticism a common problem, Judy? Yes, it is. It's amazing how many of us beat ourselves up. And this came from somewhere when we were children that we were told no or we were told to do something differently or boys were told to act like men or girls were told to act like ladies. And so consequently, we are constantly watching ourselves and it seems like no matter what we do, it's just not good enough. We feel like we could have been better, we should have been better, we would have been better if only, if only I'd married someone different, if only I had different parents, if only I'd gone to a better school. And so, yes, we we do that. And sometimes when we do something, you know, we don't get the result we want, we beat ourselves up worse than we would ever talk to our worst enemy. We say horrible things to ourselves. <laughs> that is so true. I think on, uh, you know, you remind me of the times that, because everybody has a you know experiences failure or you didn't achieve as high as you wanted to or you had a you know setback, and I think some of the m- most deepest horrible things that I've ever spoken to anybody has been to myself, has been yes. the words that I've said and and I would never have spoken those words to anybody else. No, no, there's no way you would do that. So why is so is self criticism so damaging, Judy? Oh, well, you know. We don't hear that many positives in a day. If you're in an average workplace, you're probably hearing five negatives every hour. You're not hearing a lot of positives. And if you think about that, five, that's 40 a day, that's 200 a week, that's 800 a month, plus some of us live with some people that aren't very positive. So there's another 200. So let's say you're getting a 1,000 negatives every month. You're just hearing those. It The, the research tells us it takes... Uh, 14 and 20 positive statements to overcome the effects of one negative statement. 14, so, 14 to 20 positive statements? Yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah, so if we're getting 2,000 negatives a month, you know, who's giving us the 14 to 20 positives for every one of those negatives? And most of it is coming from ourselves. We are talking negative. 70% of the negativity you and I hear comes out of our own mouths. And so we have to learn to compliment other people, to look for the good in things, to make sure that we don't talk negative, to make sure we don't say negative things, and worst of all, that we don't say negative things to ourselves. I very often say to an audience, what do you say when things don't go the way you thought they should? Ooh, you should hear some of the things they say. And, And I say, do you talk to yourself like that? Yes. I say, how do you feel about that? Well, not very good. Well... I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think so. It's very damaging to our self-esteem. If we want to have high self-esteem, we have to talk positive to ourselves. Pretend that we're our best friend and say to us what we would say to our best friend. I agree. And it's so hard, you know, you think because especially if you're in a a service-oriented type, uh, you know, profession where you're constantly caring for the needs of others and looking out for them and wanting, you're very empathic and you want to care and you, and you, and you feel their suffering and you feel their pain and suddenly you're taking it on for yourself and you're not uh-huh. taking care of yourself in that way. And, and all of a sudden now you're self-harming. I mean, it's like self-harming. It's almost a self-abuse in that way. At least that's it what is. I find self-criticism can be 
become self-abuse. It definitely can. It really can. And, you know, it's hard to get over that. I have uh, girlfriends that are my age that, you know, their parents were very criticizing of them when they were teenagers. And, you know, they're grown women like me. They're Mm -hmm. older people. And they're still beating themselves up. They still hear that parent voice in their head when they do something that they don't think it came out just like they wanted. And I said, well, you know, if you don't get the result you want, why don't you just do something different until you do get the result you want? Why do you start talking nasty to yourself? That that doesn't make sense. <laughs> but we do. <laughs> but we do. We sure do. Oh, my gosh, we sure do. And I am you know, I'm guilty of that uh, many, many times, um, especially if something that I had put my heart and soul into that I thought, my goodness, you know, this is going to be my thing that I get to contribute to the world. And all of a sudden, oh, it doesn't quite work out that way. And then I blame myself for it. I criticize myself uh-huh. and I can be my and own you know, worst enemy. And lots of times it's not your fault. The circumstances that happen, the economy, uh, something happens in someone else's life and yet for some reason we take on the responsibility of it we're just like oh i'm responsible for the whole world i guess i'll beat myself up (laughs) and we can't be you know when i was when i was a senior in high school um the captain of the football team well i was a junior he was a senior and the captain of the football team uh took me to the homecoming um, game and then he was taking me to the homecoming dance well it was because his dad made him do it because my dad were good friends and so uh, about halfway through the game this other fellow came over and he said Judy I'm supposed to take you over to the game for Richard and I said oh okay so we we're driving over there and he said you know Richard it was going to take me to the dance and he said you know Richard's not coming he asked me to take you off his hands in fact he gave me ten dollars to take you off my hand <laughs> yeah that's what he said and I was destroyed you know i was destroyed that somebody paid somebody else ten dollars to take me off their hands for the evening oh my god so you know i had to really fight to get my self-esteem back after that so when we had our 20-year high school reunion they were both there and i got two 20 dollar bills out of my pocket and i went over and gave one to each of them and i said here i just want to buy back my self-esteem you guys beat me up for a lot of years (laughs) they didn't even remember what they did you know (laughs) but i carried it around in my head for all those years oh yeah no and uh, judy i've had you know, from high school myself, you know, I remember there was a girl that I had dated or wanted to date, and I asked her to the prom, and I was all excited, and then I'm walking down the halls, and I end up seeing her, uh, kissing her ex-boyfriend, and I just devastated me, and it was like a, a knife to my heart, and my self-esteem was ruined, and uh, you know, and all that. And we carry those wounds with us. We carry that criticism that I'm not good enough, not smart enough, not beautiful enough, not handsome enough, not uh, intelligent, whatever it may be. You add, you know, whatever enough you're not. And that, yeah. that, that kind of pain, that kind of criticism can be devastating when we're adults. It certainly can. And it can affect the career we go into, the kind of work we do, the relationships that we have with other people, both at work and at home. It's, it can affect everything if we let it. And we, you know, we have to stay forward focused. I've made up my mind that, you know, we set goals. We say, that's where I'm going and I'm headed that way and I'm staying. You know, when I was like 16 years old, 
my dad sat me down one day and he said, what do you want your tombstone to say? And I thought, oh, God, you, you know, he's going to kill me. I don't know what I did, but evidently he's had it with me, you know, if he wants to know what my tombstone's going to say. And he said, no, 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 honey. He said, what I want you to do is decide what your tomb's going to say because that's going to be your North Star. You're going to live your life so that you're remembered the way you want to be remembered and he said if you know how you want to be remembered and people ask you to do something that's not in keeping with where you're going it'll be easy for you to say no because you have that north star guiding you and so that afternoon when i was 16 years old he made me write out what i wanted my tombstone to say and i want you to know i have lived my life to that because he made me write it down because he said, you know, you don't want your tombstone to say you had the best hairdo in the world, do you? And I said, no. And he said, well, then why do you throw hairbrushes and have fits and stuff? And I was like, oh, cause, you know. So he said, you know, you'll sit here with me till you figure out what you're going to say. And we wrote down that day, I want to live my life in such a way that my life lives positively after me. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And so well, I, since that's time it's given me that north star i write books about positive mental attitude i speak about positive mental attitude i teach people how to set goals i help people find their potential i help people develop their potential and to become the best they can be and and you know what if i do that it makes me the best i can be it is when you're empowering others you sometimes people feel that you know if i empower somebody else that uh, that's somehow going to take away from my own power that they're going to somehow get better or whatever and it's really not when you're empowering others nobody can take your power away from you nobody can take that no. if you don't have your own power nobody has it and i think that sometimes we confuse that sense like uh well this person is going to get ahead of me no everybody's on their own journey in life then you've got to be able to respect where you are on your journey. It's about empowering yourself and learning how to do that. Uh, Judy, yes, is, is self-criticism ever appropriate? Um, yes, it is. It's, um, I wouldn't call it self-criticism as much as self-evaluation. Mm. Sometimes we should look at what we've done and evaluate, you know, could I have done it better? Did I do it to the best of my ability? Did it affect everybody in a positive way? Been negative and I didn't realize it. You know, there, yeah, it, it could be. I just choose not to call it criticism. I don't like the word criticism. Mm-hmm. You know, these people come up to you and they go, would you like a little constructive criticism? No, I wouldn't. Thank you. Take it somewhere else. You know, criticism <laughs> is not constructive. I'm sorry. Criticism is nasty. If you want to offer me an idea of how I can be even better, yeah, yeah I'll take it. But don't give me some criticism, for goodness sakes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that what you said just there. That a constructive criticism is not constructive. It's, it's still criticism. It but- is. And it's because somebody's looking for something you did wrong so they can tell you, oh, here's a little construct. They're not hoping to be constructive. They're just wanting you to know, oh, you screwed up. So I just always say, thank you. I'll take that into consideration. Wow, that's such a brilliant way to handle that. Yeah, just thank you. I'll take that into consideration and then just go right on because I don't really care what they say or what they think at this point in my life. I've decided I'm living my life to the best that I possibly can. And if I could do any better, I would. Mm-hmm. And so for somebody to come along and say, well, here's what you did wrong, um, buzz off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. 
<laughs> oh, Judy, I think that's fantastic. Yes, Buzzle. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, there's been times where I have experienced other people criticizing me for not doing enough or not having uh, accomplished this or, or not having lived up to my potential or uh, that, you know, you should be doing it this way or you should do it that way. And boy, oh boy, you know, it can be really, really difficult to be able to find that inner fortitude to be able to withstand that and say, you know what, buzz off. Um, I'm on my path and I will find my way. And I just got to trust in myself enough to get through it. But when we're constantly being bombarded with criticisms from others, it can be almost paralyzing for us to move forward in life. Can it not? It can. It really, really can. And that's why I just say, thank you. I'll take that into consideration. And then I will. I'll, I'll look at it and say, is there any merit here? Is there something I should do differently? You know, one person tells us there's something wrong with us, we can pretty well write that off. But if 10 people tell you the same thing is wrong with you, then you might want to take a look at it and say, hmm, maybe I'm not affecting the world as positively as I would like to. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's just a matter. And also, who is it that's telling you that? You know, sometimes people are criticizing us and they haven't done anything with their lives. So what are they doing telling us what we're doing or what we're not doing? <laughs> Right. Uh, that's very well said, Judy. <laughs> um, in your, in, in you are more than enough. You speak to people who might suffer from feelings of inferiority. I certainly have felt that. In many ways, looking at where other, comparing myself to other people, seeing how far ahead they are and where I want to be, and I'm not doing that, and so it must be something uh, inferior in that in me that I just haven't been able to. Uh, actualize yet and so and that can has been very difficult for me in my life to overcome some of those feelings of inferiority where do these what do you believe these feelings come from well I call it the comparison game and I don't believe any of us should play it we get involved in like you said comparing ourselves to other people and you know other people didn't start where we started you start at a different spot than they started. And you have different elements affecting your life than other people have. And so unfortunately, when we were children, it's very possible that, you know, I come from a large family and not just my immediate brothers and sisters, but cousins and aunts and uncles and, you know, very, very large family. And my grandmother would compare me with my cousins. Wow. You know, you're, you're not as smart as Bobby. You're not as cute as Bobby, you're not as pretty as Jeanette, you can't dance like Susie, whatever. And and she would point that out to me all the time. I didn't realize she was also doing that to them, you know, mm. because, you know, we're only hearing what they say to us. And so I grew up thinking, well, you know, my, my four sisters, they were all beautiful and poor me. I was just an ugly little duckling that somebody paid $10 to get rid of. And, uh, I just, you know, I just felt inferior to them. I always felt like, oh, they were so gorgeous and I wasn't. Well, I better be smart. So I'd study, 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 study so I could be smart. And I remember my mother saying, well, honey, you don't have to be beautiful like your sisters. You just have to have beautiful moments. Well, uh, <laughs> who, who wants to have beautiful moments, nice. you know? I, you want to be beautiful all the time. You don't want to have beautiful moments. That's where inferiority comes from. You know, people say these things. They have no idea how it hurts us. They have no idea. Do you, they have no idea that we internalize this 
Where, where do you think that comes from? Is it, is it, I don't think it's like they tried intentionally trying to hurt you. Or is it coming from a place of love when they're saying these things? Or is it their own inferiority? Or is it their own unacknowledged, um, you know, maybe something inside of them that they didn't live up to? So they're, it's, a, it's a way of projecting some of their, their it own? It could be. Uh-huh. It could be all of those things. It could be that they love us and they want to protect us. And so I remember one time I was with my dad somewhere. It's like, oh, everybody's looking yours. And my and my dad said, honey, nobody's looking at you. You know, ninety nine percent of the time, people are thinking about themselves. They're not thinking about you at all. You just happen to be in front of them, and their eyes are going that direction. And and that kind of set me back a little bit. You know, they're not thinking about me. What? And and. <laughs> right. So I had to I had to deal with that. But then there are you know there are parents who have their own insecurities. Their parents didn't know how to raise them to have high self esteem, and so sometimes uh, they've been verbally beat up, and sometimes they've been physically beat up. I can't tell you how many people I realized after I was grown how many people had been abused mentally and physically by their immediate families. I was in shock. I would go to these. Um, three and four day um, self-awareness courses Mm -hmm. and they would have a time when you could talk to your parents and you know have them sit in an imaginary chair and talk to your parents and these people would scream at their parents and hit on them with pillows and all kinds of and I was like whoa what is this about and it was because they had been really abused and and you know if you've been abused all your life it's real hard for you to turn around and be real positive it's not it's it's not easy. And if somebody all your life has said to you, you're not so smart, you're not so good looking, you're not so intelligent, you know, you need to back off. Don't be such a show off. You know, sit down and behave yourself. Well, my goodness, how are you ever going to overcome that? Yeah. You have to really work hard at overcoming that. And, and so many people don't know. I had a lady the other day, 38 years old, in one of my programs. She had never heard of goal setting before. Mm. She said she had never heard. 38 years old. I was like, I've known about goals since I was five, you know, mm-hmm. but she didn't. And so she was so excited when I told her how to set goals and how to change her life with it. She was just like, wow, this is wonderful. And then she called me a week later and said, oh, I've made some decisions. And, you know, if you know where you're going, if you've got an idea where you're headed, it's a, a lot easier to make decisions. Oh it's a gosh. lot easier. <laughs> it's a lot easier if you have an idea where you're going. But if you don't know where, if you don't have the confidence and the self-esteem, and you're talking about self-esteem here, where you're able to esteem yourself and to be able to trust in your own decisions and the consequences of those decisions as well, and being able to say, you know, this is the direction I'm going, this is who I want to be, this is what I'm going to do, and this is, and I'm going to do everything I can to become the best version of that person that I want to become. And then you have other people that are dismissing it or devaluing it or degrading it in some way or or you know your dreams aren't that important you'll you'll never make it or being an artist or a writer you can't make a living at it i mean those things can really affect our self-esteem if we're not strong enough on the inside to be able to you know withstand that i mean i think the exactly the antidote to being a victim is self-esteem but how do we get it how do we get that self-esteem Exactly. And that's why we have to learn to talk positive to ourselves. We need to say affirmations to ourselves. I have the people in my audience do affirmations. I tell them, 
here's your homework. You never again in your life will attach a negative words to the words I am. So I have them say, I'm powerful, I'm effective, I'm good at what I do. People like me. I like people. I'm smart. I'm intelligent. I look good. I smell good. Yay, me. You know, we have to we have to talk positive to ourselves. And I get up and do that every single morning. And the people in my audience say, you do it every morning? And I say, yeah, I'm coming in here to talk to you. I've got to be in a good mood, you know. Well, doesn't your family think you're a little crazy well yeah they all think i'm a total nut but you know what i don't care because this keeps me positive you've got to do your affirmations mm-hmm. daily every mm-hmm. day and affirm and write it down write it on cards and put it everywhere that you can see it i have one on the on the visor in my car i have one on the refrigerator door i have one in my wallet next to my money so that i can look at that card and read it and say oh in every way and every day i'm getting better and better you know <laughs> So you've got to because every day you're either getting better or you're getting worse. You're not staying the same. That's right. And so what can you do to help you better? You read positive books. You listen to positive tapes. You do affirmations. You surround yourself with positive people. Mm -hmm. You make sure that the people you meet are pleasant. And you quit saying negative stuff. You you. You just stop it. Yeah. People say, well, how do you stop it? Well, you just stop it. I said to my sister one day, hey, how come you just keep running your mouth like that? And she said, I don't know. I can't get control over my mouth. I said, well, who has control over your mouth? <laughs> you know, we have control over our own mouth. Shut up saying something negative. Just close it. <laughs> and I have my students in class, they wear a rubber band on their wrist. And if they say something negative about themselves they have to pop the rubber band where it hurts their arms so it says stop that's hurting me right. and then and then they'll quit eventually in that negative stuff it's horrible well it is and, and and we're so conditioned towards a negative anyway we are you know I, I certainly know that in my life experience you're conditioned to look for what's wrong you're conditioned to look for what's bad you're conditioned to be uh, being self you know, all this idea that I've got to be perfect in everything that I do, and, and we're going to get into that here in just a second. But if you're not able to get to a point where you can say, you know what, I'm, I am who I am, like me or not, and I'm going to be who I am, like me or not, and you can either be part of my future or you're going to be part of my past. Uh, but it, it's getting to that place of saying, you know, um, it doesn't matter whether you like me or not, I'm going to be me. And, and exactly. that's got to be the most empowering thing you can do. And when you can get into that place, that's where real self-esteem, in my opinion, originates. Yes, I really think so. My mother gave me a little poem when I was, um, when I was a teenager, and it said, um, I'm happy being me. And it was no matter, no matter how, oh, I just can't remember it right off the top of my head. But basically, it was a little poem that said, I've got to be me, and I'm happy being me, and no matter what else happens, I'm going to be happy being me. (laughs) And I kept that on my desk. I mean, she gave it to me when I was really young, and I kept that on my desk for like 30 years. It's amazing. And to have those things, like you said, in front of you all the time is so important because it's a constant reminder. It's a constant way of reprogramming your subconscious mind to affirm yourself and your value. Now, Judy, can you use your imagination to change how you feel about yourself? And if so, oh how, how will that help you make the positive changes in your life? 
Oh, most definitely you can use your imagination. Do you remember when you were a child, did you ever uh, pretend to be a pirate or a cowboy or... or um, Indiana Jones. Uh, For me, it was no, Indiana okay. Jones. I thought I was going to be Indiana Jones. I, I watched Raiders of the Lost Ark. I wanted to be uh -huh. Harrison Ford, and I wanted to go on all these adventures and uh, find the Ark of the Covenant and all that stuff. So that's who I wanted to be. Yeah. So you used your imagination for all that. You you saw yourself in those situations. Mm. And, you know, we can still do that. But the problem is we've been beat down so much that we don't use our imaginations that much anymore. We don't think creatively. We, we don't laugh as much as we did when we were children. We don't come up with new ideas as much as we did. And so, uh, consequently, we're not using our imagination. I have this one guy that used to work in my office and he used to come in my office every day and kind of jump in the door and like ta-da he would come up with some ridiculous idea and we'd all go oh yeah there's michael with his idea again idea of the day and one day he came in and said idea of the day and he had this little funny plastic stick with a hook on the end and we said okay michael what is that he says it's for little kids to use to turn on and off light switches and we went, right, mm -hmm. well, guess what? He sold that sucker to somebody, the idea, and they made thousands of those plastic things, and he started getting royalty checks like crazy. Yeah. Then one day he came in and he said, video postcards, and we all went, all oh, right, video postcards. Well, then, next thing we knew, there were video postcards in all the gift shops on the Las Vegas Strip. Mm. And, I mean, he was always doing that, but every day he had an idea. It was idea of the day, and some of them were real profitable. Some of them were really dumb. And But you know what he would do? He'd come in my office, and he'd go, I've just been to the treasure box, and it was his post office box. But he said, the money just flows in there. I just go there and pick up money. It's just wonderful. And it was all about this idea of the th day thing. So I started doing it. I started saying, I have to have an idea of the day. Because, you know, how can we be more creative? You know, think about it. Because if you have a problem, you need to solve your problem you want to come up with four or five different creative ways to solve a problem but most of us if we find one way we stop right there we go mm -hmm. okay we'll stop here but if you can find four or five there may be a right answer that's better than the other right answer yeah, that makes so, sense. Yeah. And I, yes. what i end up finding is that you know people will get kind of caught up in that you know that one way that you were just talking about and a lot of times that one way is something that was inherited that's the way how we uh -huh. do it. This is how, you know, this is how you get out of debt. You got to do this, this, and this, and that. Or, you know what, if you if you uh, have this idea and it doesn't work well, then you're just going to have to go back to what, what was done before. Rather than exactly. what you're talking about is I've got, you know, let's find five ideas and try that. And maybe it's one of these ideas is going to be even better than the original idea. So uh -huh. I, I think the imagination is so oh. important. What my girlfriend's uh, graduated from college and she still had $15 in college debt that she was going to have to pay off. And she said, now, what could I do to make a lot of money real fast that's legal? Yeah. And so she said, these brainstorming activities. And then she said, okay. And she got herself on three games, $60,000 and she paid off her debt. Wow. Wow. She just went to college. She had an education. She thought, why not? I'll just go see if I can answer some questions. Right. That's great. Wow. Yeah. But, you know, most yeah. of us wouldn't think of that. No. Most of us wouldn't say, oh, I think I'll go get myself on a game show and try to make some money. <laughs> 
Well, what ends up happening too is I think is we um, because we're all con we're all it's archetypal. We're going to experience failure in life. We're going to experience uh, situations where we put our effort into something and it doesn't work out the way we wanted it to. And then we get caught up in, well, it could have worked out this way. It should have worked out this way. Why didn't it work out this way? And we can get caught up in those cycles of thinking. And that can be, and I know this is me, where I can be like mulling over that for months, wondering why things didn't work out the way they did. Going into this would have, could have, should have thinking. What are the dangers, Judy, of this should have and if only thinking? Well, it's because when we're doing that, we're, we're basically living in the past. We're, we're looking back and we're saying, oh, I made a mistake. Well, you know, everybody makes mistakes. Mm -hmm. Everybody um, does something that doesn't work out at some point or another. I had a girl tell me one time, she went on an uh, interview for a television show host job, and she said, this is the first thing in my life that I've ever gone after that I didn't get. And I said, aren't you lucky? And she's like, what? I said, now you know how it feels not to get something. And she was like, no, I think this is disgusting. I always get what I want. No, but we don't always get what we want. Mm -hmm. And so you, you can't go back and say, well, if I had worn a different dress, if I had done my hair different, if I had uh, not been nervous, if I had a, well, that isn't what happened. What happened was what happened. You know, and you got to say, okay, that happened and move on. Mm -hmm. I, I screwed up my own life really bad. I had uh, won a modeling competition when I was young, and I got sent to New York City to to enter the United States modeling competitions, the big model of the year competition. And uh, I didn't take my passport with me because I didn't figure I'd win. You know, it was um, if you won, you got to go to Paris the next day and then compete in an international competition. And so I didn't take my passport. I had no idea I would win. And I got to New York and I did all the competitions, and then they announced my name which I was in shock and I won and then when I went up to get the the trophy I said I can't go to Paris I don't have my my passport <laughs> and they said okay and they sent the first runner up to Paris and sent me home wow. Wow. oh you know because I didn't expect to win you know it doesn't matter if you expect to or not take the passport along just in case you know say yes just in case and if I did not open my big mouth if I would just said oh thank you and then walked off the stage then I could have called home and said to somebody can you put my passport on the next airplane you know but <laughs> I didn't think I just blurted it out okay go on my passport you know so you know we all do these things and I I can look back and say yeah if only I'd taken my out if only I'd been smart enough to keep my mouth shut if only but guess what I learned lessons from that big lessons and so the next time somebody came along and said do you want to go speak in south africa and i'd never done that i went yes they said do you have a passport i'm like yes is it up to date yes you can always say no later but i just say yes right. because i made a fool of myself i i ruined my chance at doing something really big at representing the united states girl that went up to me, she won the internet. Wow. Well, it's, uh, I wanted to still you see. Well, and it's, uh, it's, you know, it's so important to take say yes to the things that come into our life, you know, and rather than uh, saying no all the time and being imprisoned by our own, 
uh, what if thinking or should have thinking by being able to say yes to the things that are actually happening and the opportunities that are available to us. And Judy, uh, we're having a little technical difficulty right now, but I think your voice is still, uh, still there. And in your book, You Are More Than Enough, you talk about how fear holds us back. Uh, why does the fear of failure inhibit getting what we want? Well, I mean, if we're afraid of failure, very often we won't take a chance. We, we won't step out of our comfort zone because we're, we're going to fail. But the fear of failure is really the fear of If I fail, um, it's a lot bigger issue than just a We're having a little technical difficulty, folks. I uh, apologize for that. This is one of those things when you have uh, remotes and you're bringing in people from uh, other parts of the country. You're dealing with weather and technology and other things that are happening around that we can't control. Um, but it is, the fear of failure is uh, dealing about rejection. It's about dealing about our fear of not being able to be good enough and, uh, and uh, not allowing ourselves to be vulnerable in those ways. So, oh, we've got you back on, um, Oh, Judy. thank you. Yay. Can you hear me? Yeah, it's great to be having yeah. you back. So, anyway, if you could continue with your... your, um, your, your... Yeah, I wanted to say, you know, sometimes when we are afraid to take a risk, when we're afraid to make a decision, and we'll go to somebody else and we'll ask their advice and they'll tell us something and then we'll do what they tell us, even though in our gut it says, no, don't do that. And we go ahead and do what they told us rather than trusting ourselves. And what happens then is we have to live with the consequences, whether we did it or whether they did it. Mm -hmm. Whether the decision or we made the decision, they don't have to live with the consequences. That's true. We have to live with the consequences. So I'd rather, I'd rather live with the consequences of my own decision based on my own research, my own knowledge, my own experience. And then if I say, well, it's me that screwed up. And I can't blame Susie or Jane or Bill or whomever for making that decision for me because, you know, we ruin friendships that way. We ruin families that way mm -hmm. because we ask for other people's advice and we really don't want or need it and so we should just um you know if if we ask for their advice and they tell us you know take it into consideration think about it how does that feel with you does it feel right if it doesn't feel right you, see i think we're so much more than we know we you were talking about souls earlier you know and i've really gotten into this recently i have a new book that's going to come out in the fall it's very much about that where is your soul? You know, if your brain's in your head, where's your soul? Mm -hmm. But I, I have a lot of questions about that. But here's the thing, you know, we are so much more than we know. We have a greater ability to tap into universal knowledge than we even know. We mm -hmm. can use our imaginations. We can, we can reach out and we things happen. We can invent things. We can solve problems. I mean, we have so much ability. just get quiet sit down meditate ask and we are we're tapped into we're having again we're having a little technical difficulties um it is. We do our tap into that universal consciousness. We can see and imagine new things if we want to. 
Uh, it's about believing and recognizing that our choices, that every choice leads to an act of creation. And that's a big idea. I mean, that's like every choice I make has some effect in the reality that I live. And these are understandings that we're just starting to really become aware about. And like you're talking about, Judy, we have you back on now. You're having that sense of where the brain and the soul is. And our fears are, can be very deeply embedded into that, 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 that chest area, that, that sense of where the self-esteem resides. And Judy, do you think it's a common problem that people fear what other people think? And, and why do they oh. do this? Oh, yes, I believe we do. Now, I know that when I grew up, we lived right next door to the Baptist church. And my mother said, every Saturday, you have to go out there and clean up that yard, and you have to make sure the flowers are all blooming and the flower bed, the weeds are all pulled up, because those people are coming to church, and they're all going to see our yard. And we we don't want them to think, you know, that we've yard, we've got to make sure so we learned that early on you don't worry about what other people thought and and uh, and you then you go to school and you see certain people and you think oh there's those popular kids i want i want them to like me i'd like to be like them and if we don't fit in you know we get feelings of inferiority and then we grow up and we go to work and then we it's the same thing and then we meet somebody and we think oh we want to marry or that's the woman i want and they won't have anything to do with us and it's just I mean, it just yeah. being able. They're to, trying to be more beautiful. Yeah, it is trying to be more beautiful. <clears throat> being beautiful people is about being able to confront your fears and overcome them, and not letting other what other people think to control who you are and what you want to be and who you want to become. And, you know, we have a lot of fear of, uh, of failure and, and those fears that what other people think. You know, I've had people, uh, like a lot of my decisions, were, were concerned about what other people would think. And being uh -huh. afraid to be able uh -huh. to make those choices because it might, I, I didn't want to hurt their feelings. Or I didn't want to, uh, you know, put them yeah. in a feeling like I'm, um, you know, running away from them or going away from them. But at the same time, I have to live with the consequences of those fears. And then I miss out on some of the great things because of those fears. And then you end up taking it out on the people that you love. What advice would you give to people who let fear hold them back, Judy? Feel the fear and do it anyway. Uh, it's, it's a book that's out there in the marketplace. But yeah, you've got to feel the fear. But courage is moving through the fear. Mm -hmm. You know, courage isn't isn't just going out and fighting a bear or something. Courage is about whatever it is you fear, just doing it anyway. If you fear networking events, go there. Keep going back. Keep going back until it's comfortable for you. Because every time you step outside your comfort zone, that's your comfort zone a bit. And, you know, when you step out of your comfort zone, you're actually stepping to a panic zone in, in a lot of cases. But when you go the panic zone and then you jump back in your comfort zone you're going through the growth zone both ways mm. so you're going to when you step out of that comfort zone you're going to grow a bit so you just have to keep doing it and keep doing it until until you get good at it i'm a very shy person i you know i didn't grow 
up being an outgoing personality that could go around talking about anything and everything to everybody. Mm-hmm. It's something I learned. I was afraid of networking groups. I was afraid of public speaking. I, I was scared to go up on the stage. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I had to learn to do it. My dad said, if you wanted money, you have to do what other people are not willing to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I found out most people are afraid of public speaking. So I said, I'm going to go for that. <laughs> well, it is. Public speaking is one of the very challenging things for people to be able to do. It is to be able to get up in front of a group of people and be open and be vulnerable and being able to speak whatever is going on and having your message, having a clear message and believing that that message that you have is of value to the people that you're speaking to. That you can you can sit in front of a camera and hopefully reaching out to people and being able to share that message in a positive way, in an uplifting way, in an enriching way. But boy, oh boy, once you get to that place where, I mean, it's amazing, Judy, they'll be, they're all pumped up. And then as soon as they're on that stage, and I've had that stage fright too, because before I went into acting training, uh, it was paralyzing. And so getting over that fear is so liberating once you're able to do it. And you only do it by practice, by repetition, by repetition, by repetition. Exactly. Stepping out of that comfort zone and making yourself do it, that's so important. And I love how you say that that's that growth place. I think that's absolutely great. Um, Judy, in You Are More Than Enough, you say stop demanding perfection from yourself. I think this is so huge. You say stop demanding perfection from yourself. So many of us are, are, are wanting, even whether we're conscious of it or not, we are trying to be perfectionists. What is the downside of being a perfectionist? And why do people become perfectionists? Well, well, you're going to never be perfect. Or, or actually, you should face the fact that you probably already are perfect because God made you. And, get, and that saying goes that God didn't make junk. And so you're perfect just the way you are. But you don't have to try to be perfect as someone else's standard. Excellence is good enough. Very good is good enough. Good is good enough. So why have to be perfect? You know, I know people who have to have perfect husband, perfect children, perfect clothes, perfect car, perfect house, perfect, 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 perfect. And they're miserable because nothing is ever going to be perfect. And so let let people be who they are. Let's let things be who they are. Let's love who they are just the way they are. And quit being so hard. It's just not enough. Do you think, uh, Judy, and I think, you know, what you're saying right there is so on point, and let people be who they are. Don't try to change them. Don't try to uh, modify their behavior in order to make you feel more comfortable or, you know, get, have you believe what I believe because what I believe is, is better than what you believe, and if you don't believe what I believe, then there's something wrong with you. Um, wait a second, you know, we're, there's 7 billion people on the planet. They, everybody may have a different idea of what is good and true in their life. And it's about us being able to accept unconditionally everybody around us and say, wow, what an amazing human being that person is. And seeing the good in them and the light in them rather than trying to perfect them in our idea of what we think perfection is. is yes. Judy, is perfectionism a control issue? And why do you think that? Yes. Yes, perfectionism is a control issue. We're trying to control our environment or our child or our husband, trying to make them perfect. And it is a control issue. And we feel like if we can't make them perfect, that 
our life is out of control. And it's not out of control. It's just that uh, we need to learn to accept a lot of things the way they are. I look at what's going on right now in America with this political thing, and I don't really want to just accept that the fact that it's so negative and nasty. It is. So negative and nasty. And it's the worst I've ever seen it. Prior to him becoming president, he had just gotten out of prison. I was working for newspapers over there, and I had the opportunity. You know, he was just trying to bring peace to a nation and bring peace and freedom to all people. And he, I asked him, I said, you know. Who is this? Who, Judy? How, how can you come? Nelson Mandela, I asked him. Oh, how, Nelson how Mandela. You, okay, wow. You met Nelson Mandela? Wow. Yeah. We're just having a little technical as soon as we how get you How can you come out of prison after 27? Okay. Are you ready for me to talk? Uh, just about as soon no. as we get this. Uh, yeah, this is a great, I, will, I really want you to share this story. Hold on, just as soon as we get this video connection back. Um, wow, you met Nelson Mandela. Oh, come on. Folks, this is a great story. We gotta get this story. Hold on just a sec. There you are, Judy. There you go. Okay, go ahead. Nope. There you are. Maybe another time. No, there you are, Judy. Am I here? Yep, go ahead and share the story can with me. Can you hear the, me? I can hear you now, yes. Well, I had the opportunity to ask. Kind uh. and forgiving of other people. And no. Well, let me try something different here. Let me see. Why won't it? Hopefully we'll get a better connection. <laughs> Judy, I'm so sorry about this. <laughs> I don't it's know. not your fault. There you are, there you are. Wow, great, thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yes, yes, wonderful, yes. It's, it's not your fault. I mean, the weather here is unbelievably bad. I'm sorry that we're going through this. No worries, please share the story with Nelson Mandela. I had no idea, wow. Okay, so I asked, after spending 27 years in prison, how can you come out and be so kind? You know, how can you come out and be so forgiving? And he said he always knew he would walk free. He visualized it every day. He said in his mind, he knew it was going to happen and that he could be, bring peace to that nation. And, you know, a man would have never been able to do what he did. He brought, he brought freedom to that nation. And I got to be there on the day that they... Uh, voted and elected him president and it was amazing to see the hundreds and hundreds of people turn out to vote when it was their first time to ever vote in their whole life and and they didn't have the negativity and the nastiness that we have going on here and it just it just tells me you know that we can have a more positive environment if we would all make a bit of effort that's that's and and like he said visualize peace visualize 
getting out of prison, visualize making it happen. Instead of being so hateful and visualizing stirring up all the trouble. Oh my gosh, you know, I think we need more people, more leaders to step up like that. And, and Nelson Mandela is certainly one of my heroes and to know that you actually met him and shared that and was being able to like, uh, experience a, a powerful, loving, peaceful man uh, who could have chosen a I different wrote a path. Little, he could have chosen a different path. I wrote a little, sorry, I wrote a little bit about it in my book. Mm -hmm. There's in my You Are More Than Enough book. I, I did tell, right. Well, um, one more question, and then I know you have something that you want to announce to everybody, uh, and it's this idea of perfectionism. Does giving up perfectionism mean you're giving up your pursuit of excellence? No, 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 you're just saying, uh, I don't have to have it be perfect, but excellence is, you know, we can pursue excellence. We want to be the best that we can be, but it's just not plausible to think that you're going to be perfect because it's just not going to work. Life is not that way. And so quit trying. I know too many people who are trying so hard to be perfect. And then if they can't have it perfect, then they don't want to have it at all. Well, guess what? You may not have it at all. You may just do without. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, so, well, sorry. <laughs> Judy, this has been an inc I can't believe we're towards the end of the interview. I, it's, uh, this time always flies by so fast. Um, your book, You Are More Than Enough, Every Woman's Guide to Purpose, Passion, and Power sounds absolutely amazing. I think it sounds like uh, men can read it as well. I, I mean, it sounds uh, fabulous. Oh, yeah, they definitely can. And They definitely can. Uh, please share, you know, I think you have some events coming up uh, in a couple months and where people can purchase your book at. Well, they can purchase my book on Amazon.com. They can purchase it on JudyMario.com. They can purchase it in bookstores everywhere. Um, I have an event coming up November 16th and 17th. It's a two-day in intensive event. I'm only taking 12 people. And we're going to look at their plan and figure out what they want to do and make them a plan for their lives so that they can go forward and accomplish what they want to accomplish. Go judymario.com and register. So go to Judy uh, judymario.com. That's www.judymoreo.com. Again, that's judymoreo.com. If you're interested in the event on November 16th and 17th, it sounds extraordinary. Uh, you are working with one of the best in the world. Uh, they want the magazine. What's that, Judy? Want the magazine. Just go there and sign up. And there's a magazine as well. If you want the magazine, sign up. It's, is it Choices Magazine? Yes. Choices Magazine, sign yes, up. Yes, it is. It's, uh, you, and how long have you been doing Choices Magazine, Judy? Five years. Five years. That's incredible. <laughs> I love the title of it, Choices. <laughs> I love the title. I'm sorry we're having these technical issues. Uh, so please uh, go to JudyMoreo.com. Judy Moreo.com. That's J-U-D-I-M-O-R-E-O.com. 
And uh, Judy, we've got you back right now. I want to try to catch you before we close the show. I always ask my guests before we end, um, if you could give one bit of advice, one bit of wisdom from your life experience, what would it be? That one bit of wisdom from my life experience would be to always believe in yourself because you really are more than enough. <laughs> I love it. I love it, Judy. Uh, thank you so much, Judy. It has been an honor to have you on the show today, uh, to be here with us, to share your amazing stories and humor and wisdom. Um, it has been an honor and a pri privilege to have you. Thank you so much for joining me today, Judy. And folks, I'm sorry about the technical difficulties that we had. I hope you were able to enjoy the show. Thank you, KUHSDenver.com, for being the host of the council. Uh, couldn't do it without you, Henry. And uh, everybody here at KUHS, tune in to KUHS for the best programs, best uh, radio show programs, music, everything. you got to tune in to KUHS Denver. Uh, broadcasting live here in Denver, uh, all across the nation and all across the world. Uh, the council is being listened to by over 40 different countries, and we can, our numbers continue to grow. Thank you for tuning in and uh, trusting me to, uh, to bring you the best uh, I can be, that I can bring out to you. So, uh, Folks, thank you for tuning in. We are done today. We will be back next week with another great show. May you all be well. May you all be free of pain and suffering. May you all be whole. The council is adjourned. God bless.